0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the truth. I'm your host, the one you love the most, Niall Heston, joined once again by Mr. Levi Graham. Levi, how are we doing today?
1: I'm doing great. Ready to go over these rankings.
0: If you guys missed the last college basketball ranking show, we went over teams ranked by CBS from the 100 spot all the way up to 76. And like I mentioned, it's going to be a four-episode series. So today we're going to be covering teams ranked 75 through 51. The next show will obviously be fifty through twenty six, and then we'll end twenty five to twenty one up to the college basketball season. It should be fun. It should be exciting. This is a good way to kind of preview the basketball season, preview some teams, some players, all that that uh, all that good stuff. And uh, yeah, like I said, it should be exciting. It'll be good to get two different uh, you know takes on the situation. Without further ado, let's go ahead and jump into it. Starting off with our number seventy five
1: team, Northwestern. Levi, take it away. I think Northwestern is overrated. Um, They haven't made the tournament since 2017 and they went 15 and 16 last year with Boo Booey, Chase Adugi and Robbie Buran returning. So I don't, I think they'll probably be a little bit over 500, but not a tournament team.
0: Yeah. Northwestern is always tricky. Chris Collins has done a good job with that program, relatively speaking, but Going up against the Big Ten this year, especially some of the teams like Wisconsin, Purdue, um, Ohio State, it's going to be difficult to contend with teams like that. So not sure how I feel about Northwestern this year. Although they do have some returners, like you mentioned, they also have some nice people we'll get established in a couple years down the line. So as far as this year, I don't think they're going to be that big of a team, but you never really know. They're always, you know, a team that can contend. So we'll see if Northwestern is able to make the tournament this year. Number 74, West Virginia.
1: I think this is an underrated team. I know they struggled a little bit last year, but Bob Huggins is a great coach. Uh, they bring one starter back in Kedron Mitchell, who only averaged five points a game. Uh, they got an Iowa transfer, Joe Toussaint. Texas transfer, Trey Mitchell, was at uh, UMass and averaged like 20 a game there. And they also have Emmett Matthews, who averaged like 12 a game for them last year. So... Uh, I like this team. Bob Huggins is a good defensive coach. Like, they're known for pressing people, press Virginia. And, you know, they're in the Big 12. I think that this team could possibly get in the tournament.
0: West Virginia is interesting. I'm really just going to cover Joe Toussaint because he comes from Iowa, you know, the school that I uh, support and follow. Toussaint's a terrific guard. I think he'll match up better in the Big 12 than he would in the Big 10. Joining a West Virginia team that has a lot of potential this year is definitely going to be interesting. You mentioned what Bob Huggins has done for that program. He recently got inducted into the Hall of Fame. He's a really great coach, obviously very good defensive team. I think going into Big 12, the games that they're going to be playing against Iowa State, Texas, Baylor, those schools, it's going to be vital to have good defense. Joe Toussaint from Iowa brings tremendous defense, and I'm really excited to see what this West Virginia team can do
1: moving forward.
0: Utah, number 73.
1: So I'm very surprised Utah is 73 in this ranking. Um, they are very overrated at 73. This team went 4-16 and 16 in the Pac-12 last year. And they return a star in Brandon Carlson, but that's not enough. It's not enough in Craig Smith's second year. Um, I think they'll probably turn around in his third year or fourth year because Utah is usually decently good at basketball.
0: Yeah, Utah, interesting to see them this high on the list at seventy-three. You mentioned that terrible conference record last year. And there were some games last year. I went back and looked at some of the games that they could have easily won and they just kind of fell apart, kind of like Nebraska in football. Utah's got potential, but I just don't think it's enough going up against some of the prolific Pac-Twelve teams. It's just not gonna be enough to stack up. You mentioned Craig Smith being in his second year. You know, this is a coach that is a good coach overall, but we talk we talk about this a lot, just developing the system and you know when it takes a little bit of time it's not something you just you know implement in one year and you're you're off to the races so i think it'll be another disappointing year for utah i don't think they'll finish anywhere in the top 100 if i'm going to be honest but maybe moving forward this is going to be a team to watch out for and potentially has a chance to make a run in the years to come but not this year number 72
1: toledo toledo i think they're overrated they did win 26 games last year and return four starters but i don't think I don't see this team beating other teams that are behind them on this list. And um, ASU had a Toledo transfer last year. He was the MAC player of the year, and I thought he was going to be really good. And this dude only shot like twenty-eight percent from the field, like the whole year. So that's why I'm a little bit lower on Toledo. Um, they probably could win the MAC, but that's about it.
0: Toledo's going to be my favorite to win the MAC this year. Toledo's a pretty good team overall. Um, they might be a little bit overrated to some, but in the MAC, you know, a lot of people kind of disrespect it as far as contending teams for the most part. But I feel like Toledo's kind of a sneaky team. Uh, you mentioned, or I don't know if you mentioned it or not, they are turning four starters. And going up against some of the more unexperienced teams in the MAC, it's going to be very vital, especially early on. Toledo's got a dif- uh, dif- difficult non conference schedule, too, which doesn't necessarily matter, but it helps build up your resume for the NCAA tournament if they weren't able to win the MAC. And going into this season, it's going to be interesting to see how Toledo is going to be able to respond to some criticism and see if they're going to push forward. I do believe that they will. 71,
1: Towson. So I know nothing. I don't know much about this team, uh, but this team will win the CAA. And they have the National Player of the Year, Division Two Player of the Year, Suku Saila. So we'll see how he fares.
0: Yeah, Tosin's interesting. I really don't know much about them. Tosin's one of those teams that I really just kind of had to dig deeper on and kind of learn more about because you think of Tosin and you're not really sure kind of what to do with that. But the biggest thing I took away from reading about them was their veteran leadership. They're obviously in a lower-end conference, so one of the biggest things as far as regarding you know winning the tournament or getting into the tournament is winning your conference, and that's going to be something that they're going to be able to do or have a good chance of doing. But I'm going to go even further and say they're going to be my surprise pick for a Sweet 16 bid. One of the main reasons why is you look at lower conference teams like Tosin um, and kind of making some noise in March. You know, looking wire to wire on their depth chart, they have the capabilities to be a team that makes the tournament and potentially can make a run. And I think this is going to be a team that probably comes in after winning the conference, a 13 seed and and can find a way into a Sweet 16. Number 70, Toledo. Sorry, Tulane.
1: I think... Tulane is properly rated. Uh, Ron Hunter returns seven of his eight leading scorers, and that's pretty much all you need to know. I think they can um, get a bid in the tournament and maybe win a couple games. And Yeah, if you, they, they have um, veterans, and that's what you need in college basketball. So I'm pretty high on Tulane.
0: I feel hit or miss with Tulane. Um, One of the biggest things I saw was they hadn't made the tournament since 1995, but they have some experience as well as they have young talent. The biggest thing is, are they going to be able to kind of combine play? I think it all kind of relied on Jaden Coleman and his ability to um, play not only the perimeter, but also on the defensive side. Tulane's a team that's really hit or miss. It's kind of one of those things, like if they're going to be able to mesh well, then they're going to probably be able to have success. And and if they're not going to be able to mesh well, Then they probably won't have success. I'd be curious to see early on how their chemistry works compared to towards the end of the year. But once again, this is a team that could definitely make a run. And Ron Hunter is obviously a great coach, and he could definitely lead that Toledo team, Tulane team, sorry, into the playoffs or NCAA tournament. Number sixty
1: nine, Washington. So I was honestly surprised that Washington was rated this high after the last couple seasons. But after reading about it, I think they're properly rated. Um, they struggled the last couple seasons, but Mike, Hopson, Mike Hopkins, he's a 2-3 a zone guy like the Syracuse coach, like uh, Bayheim, and they're really good defensively, and they returned Jamal Bay, who aver- averaged nine points a game, and they got transferred Noah Williams, who aver- also averaged nine points a game, and they got Kentucky transfer Keon Brooks, who averaged 11. So I think this team will be a pretty good defensive team, and we'll see if they can at least if they can score around 60 points a game, they can probably make it to the NCAA tournament.
0: Yeah, Washington's another team, too, that I think a lot of their success is going to rely on their defense. Playing in the Pac-12, they have the capabilities of being an at-large bid team, no matter what, if they win their conference or not. But it's kind of one of those situations, too, whether it's in the Pac-12 conference or it's in the non is winning those games that you're supposed to win. Washington has a lot of potential, but can they put it all together? Can they have their young guns, um, their couple of transfers that they had, kind of make it to the next level and step it up? It's going to be interesting to see. I'm not really sure I feel about them, so that's why I'm going to say they're a little bit overrated, but they're definitely a team that down the
1: line can be uh, a force to be reckoned with.
0: The Clemson Tigers are ranked
1: 68. I think they are properly rated. P.J. Hall is a stud. He's a 6'10 center who averages 15 and 6 for him. Um... This past year, he did have an injury in the offseason, and he will be a key part of this team. And Brad Bronwell has done a great job with Clemson. Clemson,
0: I feel like they're going to find a way to win and sneak into the tournament no matter how well they play this year. They're a surprise team to make the Elite Eight, in my opinion, because of their depth. Their depth is something that I think is underrated. And not only for Clemson, but just in general, like having good depth is huge because you know, God forbid an injury happens. That's one of the situations. Or if players are just not playing well, they need to substitute um, in and out. I think Clemson's a little bit underrated in the ACC. Obviously, you look at teams like North Carolina and Duke, and respectively so. But Clemson's a team that can kind of be a sleeper team to maybe sneak into the top five or potentially a top four or three um, in the Pac 12, or sorry, the ACC Conference, and um, potentially make it deeper in the tournament. So I'm going to have an eye on Clemson. I think definitely they're going to make a lot of noise, and they're definitely underrated. Number 67, Temple.
1: I think this team is overrated. This team hasn't finished in the top 50 in the NCAA Ken Palm rankings in a decade. uh, But they should have double-digit wings in uh, Battle, Damian Dunn, and Zach Hicks. So we'll see what they can do. But I don't think this team has enough to make the tournament this year.
0: You talk about them not having enough, and that kind of reiterates the point about having depth. Because Temple's a team that needs to stay healthy. Otherwise, if they don't stay healthy, they're going to be screwed. I think overall, you know, this team's got some capabilities. Khalif Battle um, is obviously a good player for them. Uh, Damian Dunn, you know, he's a good wing overall. But the, the real question is, can they stay healthy? Because if they're able to stay healthy, then this is a team moving forward that can really make a, um, a, a run. I just don't know if they have enough depth to kind of supply them. And being in the AAC, it's one of those conferences that, You're going to have maybe one or two large at-large bids, but it's going to be basically a conference championship or bust. Otherwise,
1: you're probably not going to make it into the tournament. Loyola
0: Chicago,
1: 66. I think this team is properly rated. Uh, They have Braden Norris comes back. He's a three-point specialist. Four transfers come in, and the best one is Bryce Goldwyn from Butler. Uh, I'm excited to see what Drew Valentine can do in his second year there. And I think they could probably sneak in the tournament and get some wins.
0: The biggest thing is, can they sneak into the tournament? Because it seems like every year they sneak into the tournament, they end up making a run. Pretty sure it was a couple of years ago when they ended up making the Final Four with uh, Sister Jean.
1: Yeah. This is
0: a team that's tournament bound that also doesn't get enough recognition. The biggest thing is, like, can they make the tournament? Because once they get there, it's like, okay, well, they've made the tournament. They continue to make a run. It's actually kind of insane. And being in the Atlantic 10, it kind of gives them a capability to have a good season with not playing the best of opponents, but also getting prepared um, down the line. I think the transfer thing is going to be huge because I believe they had four or five transfers coming to join their program. And not only was making those runs in the tournament good for the program, but it kind of provides a winning culture and an opportunity to win. I think that attracts a lot of college athletes. So that's definitely something going for them. Obviously, if they make the tournament, they're Probably going to make a run because it seems like every year they make the tournament, they end up making a run no matter what seed they are. 65,
1: Penn State. Uh, Penn State is not really a basketball school, but they, two return four starters, and I think this will help them in the Big Ten play, and I think they can definitely sneak in the tournament. I'm not big on Penn State. I never
0: really have been. They have a lot of talent, particularly in their big man. I think Cam Whitener at the co- – or the – the guard position is going to be huge for them. But they're big, the big guys they have in their paint typically haven't been good. Penn State likes to recruit big, strong players, but not necessarily fast players. And especially in the Big Ten Conference with teams like Iowa who consistently push the ball up and down the court, it's going to be difficult for them to uh, kind of make some noise. And with the Big Ten being a good conference typically every year, especially this year, I'm not really sure Penn State's got the tools they need to make a run. But you never know, if Penn State, one year they could be really bad and the next they could be really good. Last year they weren't that good, so hoping for a bounce back season. Boise State, 64.
1: I think this team is a sleeper in the Mountain West Conference. Um, they bring back Tyson Degenhart, the Mountain West Freshman of the Year. They also have Marcus Schaefer, who averaged 13 from. So I think this team would compete with that Wyoming's the Mountain West Conference and trying to get an at large bid.
0: Yeah, Boise State's interesting. I believe they made the tournament last year. I think they were an eight or nine seed, if I'm not mistaken. So right in the middle of the pack. But I feel like they kind of went under the radar. You know, he was our he was one of these guys. The team was one of those teams that was just like fundamentally sound. They did everything they needed to do. I think their offense was a huge credit for that. Their scoring was absolutely insane. And moving forward, you know, I think bouncing back with players from last year's tournament team, they're going to provide that experience. And, you know, they've been there before. They've made the tournament. They've made the big dance. And that's something that's going to be huge. It kind of relates to the veteran leadership they have. So I like Boise State this year. I think, again, they could potentially be a sleeper team. And really moving forward, it could be a positive thing for
1: them in, you know, that Mountain West Conference.
0: How about Seton Hall at 63? What are your thoughts?
1: Uh, I think they are properly rated. Holloway comes from St. Peter's, and uh, St. Peter's had that miraculous run last year. The top eight in the rotation are all juniors and seniors, and that's experience. And I think this team could probably sneak in the tournament and get some wins.
0: Yeah, obviously, if you're able to coach St. Peter's team to the Elite A like Holloway did last year, I was, I mean... That was pretty remarkable. Um, I'm not going to lie. I remember when they beat Kentucky. I was like, "There's no way that happened." And then they just kept winning. So that takes some serious coaching. Because yeah, St. Peter's was a good team. You know, they had those shooters. The mustache was was everything. It, it's just like going over to Seton Hall. It's kind of where a lot of coaches at lower level schools, when they make the tournament, make some noise, end up going to take a bigger job at a bigger school. It's always a transition because you're one of those coaches. For example, at St. Peter's, where you're pretty much running the conference and you know winning consistently because the teams aren't that good. Now you shift gears to Stephen Hall's conference, and although you're going to be able to have success with you know to losing games, and how are they going to bounce back and overcome? I think they're in a positive spot this year. I think they'll make the tournament, um, you know, easily. I don't think they'll be a last four in team or anything like that. But um, it's definitely going to be a challenge early on, especially reestablishing connections and all that stuff. LSU Tigers
1: at 62. LSU is overrated. This team is under investigation. And when Matt McCann took over, they did not have a scholarship player left. So that means they're bringing in all transfers. Their chemistry is not going to be there. I think they're a little bit overrated for what position they are ranked.
0: See, the LSU, I feel like they make most of their money in the paint. You know, being big athletic finishers, you know, they're going to have – And even the big man on the defensive side is kind of where they make their money. And the SEC defense is so valuable. And although you need some good shooters, you win your games by playing defense. And LSU can definitely be a team like Clemson, like I mentioned, where they just kind of sneak into the dance and and are able to do a lot of things. But it all stems from how their big man play and how they play overall. If their paint play is good, then I think LSU is going to be good. If it's not, then I think they're pretty much going to be screwed. Boston College at 61.
1: Uh, I think this team is overrated. This team has been the laughing stock of the ACC for the last, like, 12 years. And I think w- they ha- they do have some talent, but I think it will be the same. Yeah, Boston
0: College coming out of the ACC conference, again, I think overrated too. The biggest thing is their defense. Their defense sucks. Their offense is fine. But if you're giving up 90 points a game like they were, it seemed like, every game last year, then you're putting a lot of pressure on your offensive game to have success. And it's just not a good thing to do. Because when you look at North Carolina and Duke, and I like using those examples because obviously they're really, really good schools both made the Final Four last year. They play fundamentally sound on both sides. And that's kind of where Boston College lacks. Maybe they'll be able to get some defensive weapons on their roster. It doesn't really look like that's the case this year. And they're also really young. So you know how young players like to play. Not really too much defense and just trying to score as many points as possible. So I think that's going to end up hurting them moving forward. It's gonna be rough to see how they uh, they play the year. Syracuse at number sixteen.
1: I think Syracuse is properly rated. They did have a losing season last year, and after losing Buddy Beheim, I wonder how this team will fare. But they always find a way to sneak in the tournament and win Jim, some games. Jim Beheim is a
0: great coach. No matter what his team is, he can always bring the team um, to you know the tournament. Buddy Bayheim was definitely a big loss for them last year. Um, But the Syracuse offense and team in general should be able to lay the groundwork to become a force in the tournament once again or once more. I expect them to get back in the tournament this year, maybe as a lower-end seed, like a 10 or 11. But they should make the tournament. They got a good coach and good coaching staff. And, you know, relatively speaking, this is Syracuse, one of the kind of legend teams. Bayheim's a legend coach. They should have no issues getting back in the tournament.
1: What about 59 Drake? I think Drake's probably rated at what they're, where they're at. They're the clear-cut favorite to win the Mountain Valley Conference. And they bring back Tucker DeVries, who averaged 14 points a game from. And I think this team will win the conference and get to dance and possibly upset a team. I'm going
0: to go with overrated on Drake. I think the MVC is going to be a little bit tougher than people are expecting it to be this year. Obviously, you know, Wichita State seems to be good every year. Drake's kind of been sneaking in as of late. They're kind of one of those teams that's been building the groundwork the last couple of years with the young players, and now they're more of a veteran team. I'm going to go even further and say they're going to be a first four team out or first four out, in my opinion. I don't think they're going to win the Missouri Valley Conference this year, and I think that's going to be their kind of downfall. I think they might start out the year rough and then kind of go on a downward trend, which when you look at historically how the committee has fared – as far as starting the season good and starting or finishing the season bad, it's almost if you spit, like start the season good and finish the season bad, it's almost worse for you because it kind of leaves a bad taste in their mouth. And I think Drake overall is going to be kind of putting a similar situation. 58,
1: Stan. Uh, honestly, this team is getting a bunch of hype in the Pac 12 this year, but I think they're overrated. Jared Haas hasn't taken this the Cardinal to the tournament since he has been there and he's. He's been there since, what, 2016? Um, this is do-or-die year, but the only upside to this, they have a couple of upsides. They have returning freshman Pac-12 Player of the Year in Harrison Ingram, and they uh, have a four-star recruit in Jalen Thompson. So I think this team is overrated at where they're at in 58, but we'll see how they do this here.
0: Historically, Stanford hasn't really been a team to make the NCAA tournament. seems like they make it every year, but they really just don't. They have a lot of potential to do so. I think they're kind of one of the upper dogs in the Pac-12 conference, which is kind of interesting to say, but it's kind of a similar thing with Drake. They're kind of building up now. Uh, Their coach is now, I believe, in their seventh season there at Stanford. Um, So it's kind of one of those things now where you've clearly established the game plan. It's win or go home, literally. you know, win the season, make the tournament, or get fired. I really do believe that's how it should be viewed. But the Stanford Cardinals team is an interesting team, and they can definitely make some noise. But I definitely think they're going to make the tournament once again. Maybe they're last for and I'm not too sure. VCU at 57.
1: I think VCU is properly rated. Uh, they're a very good defensive team. Ace Baldwin is looking for a breakout year after averaging 11 points and five and a half assists per game. Jaden Nunn is also looking for a productive year after averaging 8.6 points a game. And... Uh, What happened to them during the COVID year sucked uh, when they had to bail out of the tournament because of COVID and Oregon got the automatic win. So hopefully this team can go back to the tournament.
0: thing with VCU I said was defense, defense, and defense. Defense wins championships, and that is never more the case other than for VCU. VCU is going to win and have success in their defense, and I really like their defense. Like you mentioned, that heartbreak in the tournament a couple years ago. Definitely was heartbreaking for an I- for me as an Iowa fan because Iowa played Oregon that first, or that round of 32 game, and got absolutely whooped. So see what BCU is going to be able to do, see if they're going to be back in to the tournament, but it all relies on their defense. North Texas at 56.
1: Uh, overrated. I know they had 25 wins last year, but being ahead of some of the Power 5 schools, I don't think they should be ahead of them.
0: You know, looking at 56, I don't know if it's an appropriate rating. I do think they're one of the front runners for the Conference USA Championship. And I think what they were doing with these rankings too was some of these lower end or mid-major schools, they were kind of bumping them up, even though their team might not be fundamentally sound. I say this a lot, but I do think defense is again important for North Texas. In the Conference USA, not really known for defense, a lot of offensive scores. And I feel like that's the case for a lot of lower end majors, but North Texas historically has had a pretty solid defense. I think this year that's going to continue to stay the same and they're able to play defense effectively. Hey, you know, maybe they're going to win the conference Tuesday and get that automatic thing. But you know, a 25 win team last year doesn't really mean much because losing a couple and having guys deal with injuries can completely change the season. 55 Ole Miss.
1: Ole Miss I think they're promptly rated. Deshaun Ruffin will lead this team to an average SEC record and possibly uh a bit, uh, at large bid.
0: Matthew Morales, the one guy that really stood out for me of Ole Miss. And I think it's just his dual threat, his ability to play offense and defense. Ole Miss is interesting. I don't know too much about them as a basketball program until I was, you know, kind of looking them up a little bit more. I don't know. The SEC, I feel like it's going to be sneaky good this year. You know, I think we look at football, obviously the SEC is insane. I feel like basketball is relatively good. It's. I feel like the SEC is just like solid. It's not like a conference that's really good or really bad. It's just solid. More, probably better than, you know, compared to being worse. But Ole Miss is one of those teams that I think is middle of the pack, so I think they're a little bit um, overrated. But then again, they're a team that can easily make the tournament. I think, you know, Matthew Murrell is going to be the the best player for their team and be one of the reasons why he has success. Hopefully they're able to – he's able to stay healthy. The Terrapins of Maryland at 54
1: I think Maryland's underrated. They always play good defense. Uh, a sleeper in the Big Ten. They got two transfers in Charlotte point guard Jameer Young and Georgetown shooting guard Donald Carey.
0: Yeah, transfers are always huge, but for Maryland especially, I feel like every year they're seeming to get more and more transfers. They also got a new coach, and this has the makings be a good year. My only concern is, you know, will they mesh effectively and how will their chemistry be on point? I think they're going to figure it out. I do have them as one of my – upper teams in the Big Ten, they just play fundamental basketball. They play both sides really well. Obviously, you mentioned the defense portion, but their offense has gotten better. Before, it was just a really defensive-focused team, but now they're getting some shooters. Like you mentioned, transfers. Transfers are always good because a lot of them come, I shouldn't say a lot, but typically, especially when you go to a team like Maryland, they come from higher you know, universities, learning a lot. And it's going to be interesting to see how Maryland plays this year, but I'm really liking
1: them, and I think they have a good chance to be great. The BYU Cougars at 53. I usually love BYU, but I think they're a little bit overrated this year. Um, they're going to miss Alex Barcelo, who is their point guard and average 17 a game from. I feel like he was kind of like Jim or Furnette kind of in a way, where he would just run around the three-point line and hook up threes and make them. And I think they're really going to miss that it's from Marcelo. Yeah,
0: Jimmer Furnette's going to be a interesting you know, loss like eight years ago for them. But I don't think BYU has been good since the Jimmer Fredette days. Obviously, Jimmer Fredette was a freak. I also think this is, you know, a do-or-die season for them because they're moving to the Big 12 after the season and looking at the Big 12 and how they've been able to play with Baylor, Kansas, Iowa State, TCU even thrown in the mix. BYU is a team that really, I think, is going to struggle in the Big 12, especially if they're not able to pick it up this season. You know, they have a decent schedule. They're going to face some marquee matchups. It's going to be huge for them overall. But the real question is, how are they going to be able to play? Because like I mentioned, I just haven't really liked the program that they've been at since Jimmy Ferdet, oh, so
1: long ago, was on that team. Cincinnati, 52. Uh, Cincinnati, properly rated. Uh, they brought in a top 20, 2023 class, and 6'11", center Victor Lakin. If he performs, watch out for this team.
0: Yeah, I do think a lot of people aren't talking about Cincinnati, but they're definitely a team that can be a sleeper run. I think they'll for sure make the tournament. I actually have them being as like a five or six seed. I just think the depth that they have, too. I mean, they have tremendous depth. They have good scores. They have good defenses. All the makings for, you know, a good season. And like I said, I think people kind of underestimating them will almost fuel uh, the flames and, and make them to continue to push forward. So I like Cincinnati a lot this year. And then the final team in this show, NC State at 51. I
1: think NC State is properly rated. Uh, they bring back to Quavion Smith. Also, they went to the transfer portal and got a 6'9", 315-pound DJ Burns. And they also got a sh- shooting guard from uh, from Ole Miss, Jark Jr. So I think this team will fare pretty well in the acc and hopefully make the tournament i'm going to be the opposite actually i mean it can't do much worse
0: from last year they only won 11 games the young players they had also are coming back just not really buying the hype i don't think a complete turnaround is going to happen i think you know they're going to be moving forward in a positive direction but i think next year after this year they you know is where they're going to really step up and, and be great the acc it's difficult enough but they could make some noise. I'm just not buying the hype. I think they're a really hit-or-miss team, and I'm leaning towards miss for the most part for, uh, for NC State. Well, that's going to wrap up this team ranking show from 75 to 51. We are halfway through. We are now getting to the good teams, the good stuff. Teams 50 through 26 will be posted tomorrow, and then on Sunday, teams 25, team 1 will be posted on Sunday, and then Monday college basketball season is back and we are excited as ever i appreciate you guys listening to another episode of the truth i hope you guys did enjoy it if you guys did make sure you follow the truth on twitter at the truth as one to stay up to date with the latest information regarding the truth including podcast dates podcast uploads and other important information of value Do not want to miss until next time it is your host the one you love the most niall hessen joined by levi graham signing out take care and good night peace